you heard how it went down. Now time to sum it all up. This is Bucks Talk, presented by Gruber Law Offices. One call, that's all. Recap everything you need to know about this game right now. Now here's your host, your analyst, and your MC for the evening. Make some noise! Justin Garcia. Made a few big-time plays that just um, are very Drew-like. So, um, special performance by him. A very, very special performance by the All-Star, Drew Holiday, on his way to the All-Star game for just the second time in his career, the first time in 10 years. But what a statement for Drew Holiday. And look, we can dwell on yeah buts and say, well, there was no Jason Tatum, there was no Jalen Brown, and go down the list of players that the Boston Celtics were out. They were down four starters tonight. And I do believe many Bucks fans probably saw that and assumed this was going to be an easy double-digit win for the Bucks. But if you've learned anything, as a friend of mine once coined, never trust the Bucks is the phrase that was uttered a couple of years ago. We have since come to believe that's not the case. But every now and then, there's a little bit of those moments that, that rear their ugly head, and it's not so much never trust the Bucks, but be weary. Of the Bucks, and this is one of those situations. But look, what matters most is what this team did in the final 17 minutes of the game. I pointed to third quarters. These are two of the best teams in basketball in the third quarter. You thought you would see a big second half from the Bucks. I was 12 minutes off. It didn't come until really the final 14 minutes. It didn't come until the final two minutes of the third, the fourth quarter, and then eventually overtime as well, but this was a game where Giannis had a near triple-double, would have been his fourth of the season, would have also, oh, by the way, the is anyone aware of this stat that was floating out there, would have matched Paul Pressey for the most assists in franchise history had he gotten that 10th assist and the triple-double. But the biggest plays of this game came from Drew Holiday, and that is why he is an all-star this season. He was an all-star last season, and he continues to be one of the more underrated players in the league, one of the best clutch players in the league as well. You heard the plays of the game, the Drew Holiday rip from Derek White, turned that into a basket, the Drew Holiday three that put them up for good. And I keep going back to that Drew Holiday half-court heave to close out the third quarter and make this a five-point game instead of potentially an eight-point margin, which would have been deflating going into the fourth quarter. 855-616-1620. is the Old National Bank Talk and text line to join us tonight on Bucks Talk. Old National Bank, get old. And look, Celtics were very shorthanded in this game. Celtics are a very good team, though, and we have seen this team, especially recently, play very, very well when they're down some of their biggest players. Not so much the extent that we saw tonight with the amount of players that were unavailable for Boston, but this recent run, this four-game win streak they were on, they've been playing shorthanded. They've been playing without Jalen Brown. They've been playing without Marcus Smart. Al Horford has been in and out of the lineup. It's a team that's dealt with injuries recently, and that's another thing we pointed to a couple of weeks ago. The Bucks, 
the Cavaliers and the Miami Heat were pounded by injuries for most of the first two and a half months of the regular season. And we said the Boston Celtics, the 76ers, the Brooklyn Nets, those teams haven't dealt with quite as many injuries as those three teams. And these are things that typically balance out. It's not so much your stars going down. It's just any player in general. When you look at man games lost to injury, the Bucks, the Cavs, and the Heat were far above any other playoff team in the Eastern Conference, and those other three teams had quite a bit of luck when it came to injuries. These were things we said we're going to balance out. You're not hoping for injuries. It's only natural. These things start to sort themselves out. That's kind of what we're starting to see now for the Boston Celtics, and it's certainly what we're seeing now from the Bucks. So this is yet another game where they're nearly complete. You're still waiting on Bobby Portis. And we're still eager to see the debut of Jay Crowder. But a lot to get to here on tonight's show. A big comeback win over the Bucks. It is the first show we have had that hasn't extended into the early morning hours since the Bucks made the trade to bring in Jay Crowder. We've got some thoughts on that. We'll take yours as well. A lot to get to on tonight's show. And again, that number to join us, 855 616 1620. That's the old National Bank talking text line. We'll get to your thoughts after this on Bucks Talk. The Williams, Grant Williams loses it on the deck. It's going to be picked up. Giannis feeds ahead. Connaughton going the other way. Thumps it down. They call a foul before, though, and it's going to be a clear path foul, you'd have to think. Like, is it the real thing? Clear path foul effectively ended the game, and if there was a negative here, if there wasn't a clear path foul, Giannis gets the assist on that pass on the breakout to Pat Connaughton. That would give him his fourth triple-double of the season, and it would put him number one, tied with Paul Pressey for the most assists in Bucks franchise history. But alas... We'll have to wait one more game for Giannis to become the all-time leader in that as well as he continues his assault on the record book uh, for everything statistically here in Bucks franchise history. 855-616-1620 is the old National Bank talking text line to join us tonight on Bucks Talk. Let's head out to the phone lines and uh, check in with our friend Dick in Port Washington. Hey, Justin. How you doing? I am um, uh, good. How are you, Dick? I'm doing real good. But, you know, I, I before I really start with my real points here, I, I just want to give a shout-out to you and to my Justin friend in uh, uh, North Carolina. Uh, do we want to take a couple minutes and, and just talk about Jordan Norris' trade, or do you want to <laughs> just keep on going? I mean, I, I, I want to give you guys a chance. Okay, so I, I take that as a no. <laughs> wait, right. wait a minute. <laughs> on, on a scale of one to ten, Dick, I don't, I don't. We'll get to how you feel about Jay Crowder, but you had to have been, that had to have been a second Christmas morning to you Thursday afternoon. Oh my God! It was, it was. I wanted to call you that night. In these late night games, you know, I can, I can stay up, but you know, I figured I don't want to waste this because I know Justin. I mean. In, in North Carolina, that's an hour farther out. It was just sad. It was hard, but I—I I, I mean, are you doing okay? <laughs> look, look, I—I'm I, doing better when I saw the reception 
that Jordan Wara got and how he was welcomed by his new teammates and, and really embraced there in Indiana. So that, that really helped me get over yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great. They, they won't even uh, make the playoffs. But at any rate, okay, this was a trap game tonight of, of, of magnitude. It was like, oh, my God, as soon as I found out those guys weren't playing, the starters, I thought this is going to be trouble, and it certainly was. You know, this could have been – uh, we could have been two games behind, not only one in the standings, but then we would have lost the tiebreaker if we finished even with those guys. So this was huge. I don't care if we won by one point or 30 points. It was a huge game. Now, with that said, I mean, let's give it to, to Grayson Allen. I, he, what a game he played, and, and he's on the floor. He's getting rebounds. He's, he's diving for the ball. It's unbelievable. I wish Ingles would step up his game a little bit. I know he's had some great assist games in that. I still think Carter's needs to shoot more. And and just think, if we would have had number 99 tonight out there, how, how, this could have been a huge different game again. And coming up against the Bulls, I think we sit Giannis. Why, why do you want to risk anything here? Um don't forget, Rozier is, is injured. I don't know if he's even going to play on Thursday. Do you know anything about that? Uh, I That I'm not sure of. I I would, um, in terms of the Bucks, I, I would be very surprised if you see a lot of the regulars just because it's the only thing standing between you and the All-Star break. Um, right. You've, you've, you've been playing a lot of these guys regularly. And, and look, I, I know... Well, this is how the league used to be. I get that. It's not how it is now. And there are some heavy minutes played tonight. I know it's not a back-to-back, and you have to break after that. But I'm very curious what we're going to see on Thursday night. Part of me thinks we're going to see a similar look that the Boston Celtics gave us tonight. However, the conspiracy theorist in me says, well, there's only three games that night. Two of them are nationally televised. It's what TNT uses as their launching point into All-Star Weekend. And the Bucks are in one of those two televised games. So I'm sure there's going to be a strong urging of, can you not rest everyone in this game? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I get that. I get that. But I'm, I'm being selfish here, you know. Um, I mean, Giannis, he, he laid on the court an awful long time tonight for just bumping knees. So, you know, I don't know what that all is about, but... He popped right up and he was fine, but man, he takes a beating in there. I just—it's unbelievable. It is, and uh, you know, it's look. We can. Here's the the thing that's remarkable about Giannis for how much contact he initiates and takes, and how physical his game is. How many times do we see him on the ground where he doesn't pop right back up immediately? You can count on one hand the number of times that's happened. Yeah, yeah. I got one question for you. We have two roster spots open. Who should we go after? Well, I don't know that they're going to go after anyone. A big part of me thinks they're probably set. It now. Here's the thing: um, when you look at guys in terms of buyout, one, it's always. It sounds more appealing than it actually is because how many times have you really gotten an impactful buyout player? Marvin Williams was great for the Bucks, But other than that, for this team, it's really been few and far between. And the reasons are simple, right? 
you're bought out for a reason in most cases. Now, some of those times it's you're, you're a matching salary trade that that team has no use for that wants to do you a solid and put you on a contender. But in other cases, there's, there's two ways to look at it. Marvin Williams worked out great for the Bucks because he fit a need that they had in terms of their roster. And Marvin Williams knew, we didn't know at the time, but Marvin Williams knew this is my final season. I'm going to take a shot at winning a championship. There are two guys in the buyout market. There is that player, and there is a guy that is looking for a contract in the offseason. Those players are not going to have an interest in the Bucks because there's no playing time here. Their roles are pretty well defined. You can say, yeah, they, I'd like to get a backup point guard. I'd like to get another backup center. I'm not sure who the backup centers are on the buyout market, for one. And secondly, there are teams out there that are going to be more appealing because they just acquired a guy like Kevin Durant that players want to play with, but more importantly, because they have a lot more minutes and opportunity to offer than the Bucks do. So I think they're going to be very, very quiet in the buyout market. I wouldn't be surprised if they don't do anything and they use that open those two open roster spots to convert one or potentially both, an A.J. Green or Sandro Mamu Kelishvili from a two-way to a regular contract. That, that was my next question. Do you have to fill those two positions? No, you just have to carry 13, which they're at. Okay, 13. Okay. And, and this might be really weird, but, uh, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to re-signing Serge. Well, I think Serge would be opposed to that. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, maybe. But if he doesn't get any interest, you know, well, uh, well. First and foremost, they can't because they traded him, so he can't. Oh, they can't. Yeah, okay. so he can't go they back can't there. Him. All right. um, but yeah, I'm look. I'm very curious to see what happens with Serge Ibaka. I would assume there's at least one team that's going to bring him in as as a backup big man. Otherwise, I don't see him voicing his displeasure and and getting out of here unless it was just a. I know I'm going to be traded in all likelihood, so let me get in front of this. But I'm curious to see. What contending team out there says, okay, we think Serge Ibaka can give us some valuable minutes? Yeah. Okay. Great. Jason, it's been great talking to you. I, I, I do feel your pain for our guy that was traded, but I think it was for the best. Don't you agree? I Look, I agree. I wholeheartedly agree. Um, <laughs> I, 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 despite you attempting to paint me as a huge Jordan Wara uh, stan here, I saw a little bit of growth. At times, we didn't see that. It was very inconsistent. Right. But, look, you gave yeah. up in, in the big the big picture. You gave up three yeah. I would pieces say this. that aren't going to play in the playoffs for you. Right. I would say this. You said I painted you. I think you have more paint on your hands than I have on mine. Okay. Have a good night. All right, Dick. We'll talk to you later. 855-616-1620 is the old National Bank talking text line. To join us tonight on Bucks Talk, just as Dick just did, a couple of more calls trickling in here. Let's uh, go back to the phones, talk with Mike in Shorewood. You're up next. Hey, how you doing, man? Good. How are you? Another uh, good. Uh, another uh, Bucks Celtics thriller. That would have been bad tonight. Got to be honest. If you lost to the Celtics B team, there, I know the Celtics are a hell of a team. Love that the. Uh, the local kid uh, Hauser is really making a name for himself over there on the uh, the the, uh, the Celtics. Man, uh, great pickup for them. 
and and Derek White right now is playing incredible basketball, but still, you got uh, you guys got like a guy like Blake Griffin out there looking like his his uh, Clippers version, and, and Grant Williams is just uh, defensively they really struggled. Brogdon's a hell of a player, so I'm not going to include him on that. He's basically a starter, in, in even though he comes off the bench, he basically plays starter minutes. But just overall, I mean, they they, they really struggled. They should have put this game away in regulation, but hey, if you're the Bucks. You'll take the win, basically, since you want that number one seed. Uh, this is huge tonight, since I think they're only a half game back here, and I think they're gonna. I think Bud should play the starters on Wednesday. I know you're playing a, a struggling uh, Bulls team, so I don't think the starters are gonna really have to play big minutes. Probably play maybe a half there, and and basically put the Bulls away, who are really reeling right now. And so that's what I really expect them, because I think it's gonna be critical for the Bucks to get that top seed there, because. More than likely, you're going to play Boston, and you want to have that Game Seven home. Unlike last year, when they ended up going down in Boston, it's that they think if, if Milwaukee has Game Seven at home, I don't think any team is going to come into the Pfizer and beat this this Bucks team. So they're going to be battling back and forth, and I know Boston's going to be missing the Brown, I think, for a little while longer. But as far as the Bucks here, just incredible. Drew Holiday. What can you say again? Defensive player of the year, and he's hitting that shot. I think this was his best overall game tonight. You know, offensively, he was just locked in. And then we know defensively, he's one of the top two or three defensive players. You can basically give him the defensive player of the year. And Giannis is Giannis. You know, he's going to probably be the MVP. And, and Middleton coming off the bench. I think overall, our guys look good, except they were sketchy defensively. But what are you going to say? When you're playing a hell of a team like Boston, they're, they're just gritty and they're not going to give up regardless who's out there. So, uh, Hats off to them. I just hope they finish strong here in, in Bulls. And do you think Bud is going to be coaching for that top seat going forward? Um, how do you think this plays out in the final 25 games and uh, working that Jake Crowder in? Because they're going to need him for, for uh, playoff teams, especially against Boston, Philly, whoever, the uh, uh, Miami, those type of teams. Um, how do you expect to, him to work him into lineup when he's back? Uh, I'll, I'll take your thoughts on that. Thanks for the time. Yeah, you bet. Uh, thanks for the call there, Mike. Um, the number one seed, I don't think Bud is, would ever come out and say, yeah, we're, we're playing for the number one seed. But it was interesting because Joe Mazzula was asked about that before the game today, the Celtics head coach. And similar to Bud, and by the way, if you think Bud doesn't give you anything and is very short in some of his responses, you should have heard the back and forth between Joe Mazzula and uh, the media prior to the game today. But he, he basically hinted at, look, the, the one seed, as Mike just pointed to, it's important. So that is certainly a goal of ours, which was kind of surprising to get uh, from Joe Mazzula given the rest of the answers we got. But I think all three teams, the Bucks, the Celtics, and the Sixers, view it as such. The last few years, we've kind of diminished the importance of finishing first or really seeding in general. But last year, more than anything, showed you is as much as we want to point to health being the biggest swing factor there, the big thing is we've seen this conference go from realistically thinking, well, there's two teams that are head and shoulders above the rest. But this is really five deep in terms of teams in the East that could point to we have a chance to make a strong run here and potentially win the conference. Maybe you could say it's four, but it, it, the reality is it's three. It's the Celtics, it's the Bucks, and it's the Sixers. Cavaliers still feel like they're a little bit away, that they're just a step back of the rest of that group. They added Danny Green. They still need some wing help. 
They've been a tremendous story the last two years in what they've done. Their defense has been incredible this year. They just don't feel like they're on the same level just yet. And, of course, the Brooklyn Nets took a big step backward. That changes things because it really didn't matter. If you're a conference that's that deep, if we're saying, well, you're going to face one of these teams in the second round anyway, well, once you become a three-team conference, it changes things big time because the one seed becomes even more important. And we saw how teams treated that last year. Maybe you didn't see the same importance put on it, but you saw what happened last year. And now if you get the one seed, it means not only do you have home court advantage throughout the playoffs, you avoid either the 76ers or the Celtics in the second round, and they play each other. So I do think there is an added importance, and a guy like Jay Crowder is certainly going to help you out and bring that mindset, and you're going to see that from all three teams. The Sixers aren't out of this as much as we talk about the Bucks and the Celtics. The 76ers have been one of the best teams in basketball for the last two months, so they're not out of the conversation either. 855-616-1620 is the old National Bank talking text line to join us tonight on Bucks Talk. A few more calls. We will get to you after this as we uh, continue to break down an overtime thriller with the Bucks now evening the season series with the Celtics and pulling to within just a half game of Boston with one game left in the first half of the season. More after this on Bucks Talk. About in a technical. So this, and I was about to say, this is starting to get really chippy. It's, it's Joe Ingles and Griffin. Joe Ingles and Blake Griffin getting into it, but... A couple of technicals in this game. It was a very, very physical, chippy game in the early going. And it did cool down a little bit. But the story of this game was obviously the play of Giannis and another clutch performance from Drew Holiday as the Bucks close out the Celtics in overtime. Let's go back to the phone lines and talk with Ricky in Honey Creek. You're up next on the show. Yes, hi. I just want to say uh, another win here for the Bucks. That's 11 straight. It's always a good thing to call when the Bucks won. Um, the last couple of times that I've called, uh, said Giannis has really struggled at the free throw line, and uh, he started out four of 11, and then he ended up hitting seven of his last eight. So I think if he can start out better on his free throws, that'd be good. Drew Holiday really stepped up tonight. I mean, 40 points. We couldn't have asked him for more from him. And then Grayson Allen really stepping up on his defense there at the end. But um, <clears throat> another thing the Bucks struggled on tonight was turnovers. I mean, they had, what, I think about 15 or so in that first half. And so that really uh, gave the Celtics a whole lot of points. And that was allowed – allowed the Celtics to stay in the game. And so <clears throat> I think less turnovers the Bucks would have had this game uh, without having to go to overtime. And so I've got a quick question here for you. I just want to hear your uh, – I just want to hear what, what you had to say about the trading for Jay Crowder. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for the call, Ricky. Um, so Jay Crowder, earlier in the season, we talked about this quite a bit, and – I know I said the trade that was most often, I wouldn't even say rumored, but kicked around or mentioned of the Bucks are interested in and linked to Jay Crowder 
and you look at the roster, the deal would have to likely include include Grayson Allen. I said earlier in the season I wouldn't be in favor of it because I would not be in favor of trading Grayson Allen. I wasn't opposed to the acquisition of Jay Crowder. And, uh, Tommy, you timestamp everything. You know when exactly I said all this. We can easily pull this to verify it. But we said from the start, I don't have a problem with acquiring Jay Crowder. My problem would be if it was at the cost of Grayson Allen. So you didn't have to worry about that. You bring in Jay Crowder, and I think what Jay Crowder brings this team is really two things. One of them you can't quantify. He brings you versatility. He brings you the ability to play similar to what you saw tonight. This group that you saw close the game out, four of those five guys are going to close the game out, and Jay Crowder is going to be the fifth. So it really comes down to Grayson Allen, Joe Ingles, or Pat Connaughton, who's not in that mix. It's going to depend on matchup, and most of those environments, it's going to include Pat Connaughton, where you're going to close this game with a closing five, or close the game, I should say, with a closing five, in most cases, you have to assume Giannis, Jay Crowder, Pat Connaughton, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday. Maybe it's Joe Ingles. Depending on the situation, maybe Grayson Allen is out there as well. But it gives you that versatility. It gives you another playoff playable player because it wasn't easy to see when this team was dealing with the setbacks and the injuries that they were early in the season. But when you looked at the roster and you said, all right, you really need six to seven playoff guys. I know the rotations pare down quite a bit, and I know you're going to run into situations where you can get by playing this guy in these spots. Maybe not so much this. We've seen that from Brooke Lopez. He is not unplayable in the playoffs. Same for Bobby Portis. He's not unplayable. Some, some situations, some matchups are going to be tough, but those are still playable guys in the postseason. You know Pat Connaughton is. You know Giannis is. Obviously, Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday are. Jay Crowder is as well. That right there is five guys. So he gives you another guy you can throw out there in the playoffs. He's been in the conference finals a couple of times. He's been in the NBA finals. And I don't even care about the shooting percentages that everybody points to. If Well, started to trend downward. Career worst numbers. He's getting older. All of that is applicable and true. You're not going to ask much of Jay Crowder. All you're going to ask offensively is keep the defense honest. Hit an open shot. You don't have to shoot 100%. Shoot 35% on your threes. If you can do that, you're going to keep defenses honest. You're going to open things up for Giannis. You're going to get a lot of wide-open looks playing alongside him. But that versatility that he gives you, where Giannis at the five can unlock things. Now, the easy comparison is to... Take Jay Crowder and say, well, he's kind of like P.J. Tucker. Yes and no. The difference is Jay Crowder can't defend fives. At this point in his career, he's really defending mostly fours. He can take some threes. P.J. could take two through five. And depending on the guy, he could take ones. We saw him at times on Chris Paul, on Devin Booker. Very, very limited, but at times on a guy like Trey Young. P.J. was that versatile. Now, Jay Crowder isn't, but Jay Crowder is still a stretch four. He's not going to defend fives. That's where Giannis has to come into play a little bit. But he gives you some of that versatility to play differently. And as good as Bobby Portis has been in a switching-style defense, Jay Crowder is even better. So it's big there. But the other thing, the thing that you can't really quantify and say, well, this made them X amount better, 
is the toughness. That, to me, is the biggest thing that Jay Crowder brings. And I think when you heard Giannis give the comments that he did after that game against the Lakers, the day they acquired Jay Crowder and said, uh, the old line of, you know, when you walk down the hall and the bully's behind you, and you see everybody look at you a certain way, you think it's you, but it's really the bully. PJ was that guy, is what Giannis said. Jay Crowder's a similar guy. You know, I, I think you look at the eyeball test with this team, we're not going to get into relitigating the decision to let PJ Tucker walk. That's not what this is, but the eyeball test would tell you something was missing the last year and a half with you no know, PJ. That's that something seemed to be that toughness. He just brought it, and it was contagious, and that team just went to another level. PJ said, look, this is a group of dogs. I had to unlock it and unleash it in them. That's really what changed things, and Jay Crowder is a guy that can do similar things that brings that toughness, and those are things that just rub off on you. When you play with a guy like that, it becomes contagious. A guy like a PJ Tucker, like a Jay Crowder, like a Jimmy Butler, those are the types of guys that get under your skin, but you see how they're playing and you play the same way. That, to me, is the biggest thing that Jay Crowder brings, the addition of Jay Crowder to this team. 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talk and text line. Some numbers to share with you as Giannis continues. We mentioned his assault on the record book, what he currently owns and what he's on pace to break yet or own, I should say, this year. We'll share that with you after this on Bucks Talk. Other side of things. Here's White sending down low. Ball knocked away. Carter got behind. Grant Williams poked it three, and now it's Giannis in the open court. Takes it to the rack and lays it in the box and taking the lead again. Back and forth games, big moments down the stretch. Drew Holiday was huge. So was Giannis. And the Bucks again, just a half game back of the Boston Celtics. And now this season series is even. One game apiece between the Bucks and the Celtics. Final game, March 30th here at Fiserv Forum. And that game could decide who gets the one seed in the Eastern Conference. It'll decide the season series should we need a tiebreaker. Uh, one interesting tweet I suppose we can get to in just a, a moment here. But before we do get to that, I've already referenced it a couple of times. So if you paid attention, you should know what's coming next. But time to get to what was the turning point in tonight's game. The moment it all turned around for better or worse. This is the turning point of the game. Going the other way, Holiday launches up a three-quarter court. Three, and he hits it! Drew Holiday! Thank you very much! Well, this guy lives for the holiday games on Valentine's Day. Drew Holiday sinks one from three-quarter court. That Drew Holiday three was big because you were down 14. You started to go on a run. There was a 9 to nothing run in there. And then it's down to five. You have a chance to make this a two-point game, a one-possession game with just under 10 seconds remaining. Feeling really great going into the fourth quarter. Joe Ingles, an open look, 
kind of had to be convinced, but he takes the three, didn't hit it. A long rebound leads to a breakout for Peyton Pritchard, who gets a three-point play. So you face a potential two-point game going into the fourth to what you think is an eight-point margin and a six-point swing when Drew Holiday connects on that heave to once again at least get you back to the starting points of a five-point game. And that's another one of those things you just can't quantify, but it feels like that made a big difference in this game. Eight versus five, it may seem crazy, but it is a big, big difference. And Drew Holiday with a number of big plays in this game, including the turning point tonight as the Bucks hold off the Boston Celtics in overtime. Now, look, the Celtics were down quite a few players tonight. Four of their five starters were out. No Jason Tatum, no Jalen Brown, no Marcus Smart, no Al Horford. The list goes on and on and on for this Celtics team. When you look at that injury report, you knew what you were going to be in for. This is a Bucks team that, for whatever reason, when you see these types of of games and matchups, you know, well, this is probably going to be tough. And I think early going, you saw Bucks were a little flat-footed. They were late on switches. Offensively, there was turnovers, not a whole lot of good looks, and the Celtics played hard. This is traditionally what you see in these types of games, unless it is a, a bad team that you're playing. This is still a good Celtics team. Derek White, Malcolm Brogdon, these are good players. We talked about this on the pregame show. Don't pay attention to the players on the injury report. Pay, pay attention to the players that are on the floor. Grant Williams, who saw what he did against the Bucks in that playoff series, he's still a good player. Derek White is the reigning conference player of the week. Malcolm Brogdon's a good player. Mike Muscala, he's not an all-star. Mike Muscala's a good player as well. Sam Hauser, every single Boston Celtics fan in the world, will tell you is the breakout player of the year and can't say enough about Sam Hauser. This is a roster full of good players. So you knew, look, this isn't, despite the eight-and-a-half-point line, this isn't going to be an easy win for the Bucks. I didn't anticipate a 14-point deficit that the Bucks would be facing, but this was never going to be easy. And it's impressive the way the team grinded this one out and came back. Yes, they had more talent than the Celtics did on the floor tonight, but the way they had to close this game out to me makes for a good win. So keep all of that in mind. Keep in mind, Celtics have been playing shorthanded quite a bit. They're on a four-game win streak. They beat the 76ers a week ago where it wasn't down quite as many players, per se, but similar vibes in that game against Philadelphia, where the Celtics were, again, shorthanded. They won by seven. Jason Tatum played, but he scored 12 points. Jalen Brown played. That's the game he left with injury. So the only difference between this game and the Sixers game that the Celtics won last week was Jason Tatum played in that game. He didn't play well. Jalen Brown got injured in that game. Otherwise, very, very similar personnel. Al Horford didn't play. Marcus Smart didn't play. They didn't have the newly acquired Mike Muscala. So pay no attention to the great win by the Bucks against the Celtics backups. A win is a win. And this win is important because it means the Celtics don't own the tiebreaker. We have to wait until the 30th of December to see that. So, look, 
you can't doubt. What a great win by the Celtics. Man, what a great team. And we saw a lot of that last week when they beat the Sixers in a similar situation and then say, well, this doesn't count because we didn't have this player and this player and this player. Well, the playoff series doesn't count because the Bucks didn't have Chris Middleton under that logic then. You're going to see a lot of it. Just move past it. I do want to say something about one of the players we did see tonight that we heard an awful lot about last year. I think we might start to see the tide shift a little bit. I'll tell you who I'm talking about after this on Bucks Talk. Kicks it out. Connaughton passes to Holiday. Squeezes up a three for the lead. And he buries it from straight on. Mr. Clutch, Drew Holiday delivers again. Three of the 40 points Drew Holiday scored tonight as the Bucks beat the Boston Celtics. The shorthanded Boston Celtics by six in overtime. And again, 40 and 17 now are the Bucks. The Celtics are 41 and 17. Each of these teams have won a game against each other, and the third and deciding game is March 30th here at Fiserv Forum. Also, this Bucks offense slowly, slowly, maybe moving into the top 20. 112.6 offensive rating. It's still 21st, but three hundredths, three tenths of a of a point behind the Los Angeles Lakers, who are 112.9, so we'll keep an eye on that. Some numbers that I promised as well. Giannis, as we mentioned a couple of times, it, it snuck up on a lot of us. Not a whole lot of fanfare leading up to this game over, hey, Giannis is 10 assists away from tying Paul Pressey for the most assists in franchise history. So right now, that number is one. He needs two assists to move into number one all by himself. You would assume that's going to happen in the next game Giannis plays in. Whether that's Thursday, whether that's next Friday against the Heat, whenever it is, he's going to get it this year. He is also going to become the franchise leader in games played this season. Next year, at the rate he's playing now, next year, he will be the franchise leader in rebounds, total rebounds. And at some point in the 2024-25 season, unless Giannis just goes on a tear down these down the stretch here of these uh, final 20-plus games and next season, but likely in the 24-25 season, Giannis is also going to become the all-time franchise leader in... Uh, in steals. And oh, by the way, next year, he's also going to become the franchise leader, maybe this year for that matter, but relatively soon, the franchise leader in field goals. So with all that in mind, by the end of next season, we'll put off steals, by the end of next season, he will be the franchise leader in points scored, in blocks, in minutes played, in free throws attempted, in free throws made, in total rebounds, in games played, in field goals made, and in triple doubles. He will literally own every single record except three-pointers when it's all said and done. And look, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is one of the greatest players of all time. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar got this team into two NBA Finals. That right now is the biggest difference if we look at 
who has been the best player in a Bucks uniform. But when you look at the entire package, the fact that this building, Fiserv Forum, is the building that Giannis built, he may have, for all intents and purposes, saved this franchise in Milwaukee. It is going to be very, very hard to argue. Even if the Bucks do not see another NBA Finals with Giannis on the roster, it's going to be very, very hard to argue that Giannis isn't the best player in Bucks franchise history. We will wrap up the show after this on Bucks Talk. 131-125, overtime win over the pesky, shorthanded Boston Celtics. Bucks now a half game back of the Celtics for the top spot in basketball and in an 11-game win streak by this team as well. Mentioned they are still 21st in offensive rating. But second in defensive rating, trailing only the Cleveland Cavaliers. That net rating after it was basically even for a large swatch of this season, swath of this season. Uh, Net rating is three. Net ratings this year, not what we've seen in years past, and that's because the offensive and defensive numbers rising. But sixth best net rating in basketball. And again, you look at the win streak, they have been incredible. Our next Bucks talk is going to be Thursday night, the final one of the first half of the season. 6.30 game. We'll get started at around 9.30. My thanks to everybody for calling in and tuning in to the show tonight. My thanks to Tommy Wirtz and Chris Larson for producing the show. Talk to you Thursday night.